This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you are here among us. What a morning. You have already touched our souls. And God, I thank you that you prepare our heart now for the word. But more than anything, help us to encounter the presence of the risen Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let me just tell you what we're doing this Christmas season. We're entering in this morning to a new series called Sing. And this series called Sing is, is about the songs that we sing this time of year and why we sing them, why we make this shift. Uh, some people love the shift. Some people are not real for, uh, favorable to it. We got a message at the radio station this week that said, uh, when are you going to start playing lots and lots of Christmas music? And it's always followed up by a message from someone else who says, thank you, thank you for not playing lots and lots of Christmas music. You know, you don't know, but there's a reason that we swap. There's a reason we sing songs like the one we just sung, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We find it in Matthew chapter number 1 and beginning in verse number 18. This is a powerful, powerful passage, and I want you to hear it really quickly today. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but... Scripture says, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because, watch this now, the Lord's prompted this in my heart just earlier today. I want you to get this. If you miss everything else, don't miss what I'm about to say to you. Because Joseph, her husband, was a what? Righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Can I tell you what the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart this morning? He said, righteous men do not air other people's problems in public. Wow. Righteous men. Do you know why someone will air someone else's problems in public? It's because they're trying to justify themselves by that other person. A righteous man only knows that his righteousness can come from God. He had in mind to divorce her quietly because of the situation, but, uh, but because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her. And then the Bible says, but after he had considered this, notice this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. I get excited every time I read this part. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Amen. Because he will save his people from their sins. I mean, you're thankful that Jesus came for us. Amen. Praise God. The last verse here says this. Watch this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. God is always working to fulfill his promises. Watch this. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him what? They will call him Emmanuel. That means God with us. Wow, isn't God amazing? You see, we're here together today. We're, we're together as us today. Whether it's in one of the services across the churches or whatever, it's still we are in this together. 
Sometimes we miss those who are, are with us. Sometimes we miss, you know, I was at the airport this week and I'm, I'm, I really like to watch when I'm at the airport because you never know who you're going to see. You never know what star or what celebrity is going to come walking up. I, I literally stopped and I thought, is that Tyler Perry as we were coming down? And I, I didn't get close enough to, to really be able to see, but I, I th- thought it looked like him this week. I was kind of watching. And you know what? I was so busy watching for somebody that I didn't know that I walked right past someone that I didn't know. I was looking for that person. Have you, have you, I mean, when you ever met anybody that's maybe a little important? Somebody that's a celebrity? Somebody that's, that's a little larger than life, maybe a political figure or somebody that, that you, that you've seen in a movie and you, and you know how it works at that moment. You get all excited about it because at that moment, your, your average life interacts with something outside your normal circle. At that moment, the, it's like your world just takes a shift and you find a, a new story. You find a, a new example. I, I'll never forget the time that I, I, and you don't even know what to say half the time. I, I ran into one of my favorite authors. I ran into John Maxwell somewhere and I, and I, I walk up to him and, and I'm like, Mr. Maxwell. <laughs> and he's like, hey. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, your books have helped me so much. And he's like, thanks, man. We talked to, tell me about yourself for just a moment. I'm like, oh, we're just chatting for just a moment. He said, by the way, which one of my books do you like? And, and I went blank. <laughs> I said, well, um, um, and the only one I could remember, and he's written hundreds of books, was Developing the Leader Within You, which is the very first book he wrote like 40 years ago. And I was like, Developing the Leader Within You. And he said, you know, I've written a few since then, son. You ought to read some of them and walked off. Come on now. I was like, oh, no. Or that day I'm riding with a friend and he says, you mind if we pick somebody up? I said, sure. He pulls up at a curb and all of a sudden the back door flies open and the man that was twice the size of the back door jumps in the back seat of the car we were in and it's Charles Barkley. And I'm hanging out with Charles Barkley and he starts saying, he says, he's called me preacher man. He said, preacher man, can I talk to you about my buddy, Tiger Woods? And I said, tell me anything you want to say. <laughs> You know, those moments that you interact with, I'll, I'll never forget that, that I was in, I mean, you're trying to figure out what to say, how to act cool. You don't want your one moment to be, you know, dumb. I'm really good at that, by the way. But I'm in Israel with some of you guys, and I'm in Israel, and we're sitting at a table, and somebody at the table with me says, does that lady over there look familiar? And, and I, I take a look, and I said, yeah. And I'm being from growing up in the 80s, I knew exactly who the supermodel of the 80s, Kathy Ireland, was. I said, that's Kathy Ireland. They're like, are you sure? I said, trust me, I'm sure. <laughs> you see, I enjoyed the next few moments because I got to watch the other people of the 80s try to find the excuse to bump into her. They wanted to interact with her. They wanted to connect with her celebrity. They wanted to, to, to be in her zone. They wanted, they wanted to get that up picture with, and you know what was even funnier? The, the, some people actually had a nerve and said, hey, can we get a photo with you? I mean, it's going to make our trip. And she was real kind about it. But the funny one was watching the people who didn't have the nerve to talk to her, trying to take selfies with her without her knowing they're taking selfies with her. <laughs> you know, when we interact with people outside of our zones, it affects us. Why are you talking about this today? Because we're missing the power of this passage. We're missing the power of what is being said in this. We can talk for the rest of our lives about the person who snuck in. We can talk for the rest of our lives about the person who, who uh, we met that was a star or, or, or the person who was of great power. It's like the time I had lunch with the governor. I mean, that was really cool. I mean, well, it really wasn't lunch with the governor. He was at the table next to me. We did talk between french fries. Come on now, amen. 
But you see, we count those moments and we never forget those moments because of who we have interacted with. But can I tell you this morning that what I read to you is this, that the living God himself, he said, look, I give you this promise and I always fulfill my promises that I will come to earth and I will walk among you. And so we can talk about, get selfies with, get all befuddled about the fact that we met some celebrity who's probably just as messed up or a lot more messed up than we are. But can I remind you that the scripture says what we sung about this morning, oh come, oh come Emmanuel, we're making a plea that God himself has come to earth and he can walk into our presence and we can interact with God and yet we've lost our awe. I felt him this morning while we were worshiping. I felt his presence while we were lifting our hands in worship to the King of Kings today. And I got all fired up about it. I got all excited about it. And as I got all excited about that, I thought about the fact that God himself showed up here this morning. Can I tell you, that's a story that we ought to be able to recount to others. The moment that a man who has nothing reaches his hands toward heaven and the God who has everything comes and encounters us. That's the kind of God that I've come to preach to you about today. The God who is with us. I don't, I, I, somebody said, Pastor, wh- why are you so excited about this sermon that you're going to preach this morning? I said, ever so often when we start a series, God lets me almost take a day where we shift everything away from where it's normal, and I get to tell people about how awesome the God that we've come to serve is, the God who took off uh, glory and put on this carnate flesh. I get to tell them about how great he is, but I'm going to steal some words about how great he is today. Let me steal words from Jeremiah today. Jeremiah said it this way. He said, there is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and great is your name in might. Come on now. I'm getting excited about this because I'm not talking about meeting somebody who knows how to shoot a ball or throw a ball. I'm not talking about somebody who can smile right for the cameras. I'm talking about Jeremiah saying, ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you, oh God. I'm talking about a God who he can do everything immeasurably more than we can ask or even imagine according to his power. We can encounter God because God didn't keep create a religion to keep himself away from us. God came in the flesh so that he might be near us. And this is the way I love to say it. He is God most high, but he is also God most nigh. He is right here with us. He has come to interact with us. He has come to be with us. He is the king of glory, the king of heaven, and he is good. But I know what some of you are saying. Well, if God's here, I probably shouldn't be. You know, somebody that's Got a lot of problems that I, I love dearly. They, they taught me a phrase. And I've, I've learned, you know, I've learned these, I, 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 you know, because of, uh, of our regeneration ministries and all, I learned some of these kind of, so these, for lack of anything, they're prison slangs and, and, and I can use them. And this guy, he said, Pastor, those are all good, but let me teach you a word you really need to know. He said, what we call some people is chaos. Because some people ride chaos. Some people live in chaos, and some people love creating chaos. And I said, okay, I know a few chaos people. But here's what I've come to realize. The way your life is in chaos, most of you think that means God wants nothing to do with you. That's where you're all wrong. 
What does the Bible say in Genesis chapter 1? Let me just tell you in case you don't know. It says that there was chaos all over the earth. That it was without form and was void. That word there is, is chaos. can be actually being translated chaos. That the world was in chaos. And as the world was in chaos, that the Spirit of the Lord hovered. Okay, The Spirit of the Lord did what? It hovered over the chaos. That the Spirit of the Lord was attracted to the chaos. Why is the Spirit of God attracted to chaos? Because God is the creator. And a creator gets bored without something to create. And so he can walk through his creation and enjoy his creation. But when you are a creator, you're looking for some chaos. Because what happens is you want to walk into the middle of that chaos and you want to start putting your gifts to work inside of that chaos. And so instead of God pushing you away because of your chaos, God is pulling you close because of your chaos because God's wanting to create within the chaos of your world a beautiful heaven and a beautiful life and a beautiful purpose and a beautiful future because God's attracted to chaos. Most people are like, but, I, but, but God... No, 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 no. God says, that's when I want you most. Because when you've built your own safe world, there's no room for a creator. You see that word hovered there, it actually is two-dimensional. And the word means, in the first, it means that the Holy Spirit is hovering. It, it, it's a, a time thing. And it really means that He's right in front of me and He's right behind me. That I can't get anywhere away from the presence of God. That He's always a step ahead of me in life. And he's always cleaning up right behind me. And when the enemy tries to give a side attack, I don't have to worry because my God is already dealing with it for me. It refers to that split second right before and the, the split second right after something happens. It's almost like this idea forms, watch this, a parenthesis in time around every single moment. It's like there's a parenthesis put around our lives. One writer said it this way, he said, the Lord travels in all directions at once, and the Lord arrives in all directions at once. Wherever we are, we find that he just departed, and wherever we go, we find that he just arrived before us. It is within this context that we have the fact that he is Alpha and Omega, that God exists outside of our space-time dimensions. But the second dimension of the word hover brings it about even more. Not only is God ahead of me and right behind me, but it also refers back to the place right in front of me and the place right behind me. I love this because it becomes a parenthesis. A what? A parentheses in space and time. And what I love about that is what God is saying is, uh, matter of fact, let me just show you this. David said it this way in Psalms 139, verse number five. He said, you hem me in. Behind and before. Oh, let me just read for a moment. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. For where I, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Well, I feel the Holy Spirit. If I could go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, or your right hand will uphold me. 
Now let me just explain that to you for just a moment. What does that have to do with anything about your life? It literally means that when you have chaos in your life, God puts a parenthesis. That's literal way to translate that, that God put a parenthesis around the chaos. And why is that important? Because when there's an equation that you're trying to solve, what you have to do first is settle what's inside the parentheses because you can't solve the equation until you settle what's inside the parentheses. So what God says is I see your chaos, but inside of my goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit, but inside of your chaos, I'm going to start working. And when I solve what's inside of the parentheses, then we'll straighten up what's outside in the rest of the equation to get you to the purpose I created you for. And God wants to deal with you right in the middle of your chaos. Pastor Don, you, God just doesn't understand. No, you don't understand. John 1.14 says that the Word, God, became flesh and dwelt among us. Oh, let me say it this way. God moved into your neighborhood. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 15 really settles why He moved into your neighborhood. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. God moved into your neighborhood when you so that when you say, you just don't understand, he says, yes, I do understand. I was tempted. I was weary. I fought battles, but yet the Spirit of God brought him through, and this same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now works inside of you to help you move from that parentheses of chaos into a better equation of life. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost today. Why don't you give God a praise in this place? Amen. Tozer said it this way, God is above, but he's not pushed up. He is beneath, but he's not pressed down. He is outside, but he's not excluded. He is inside, but he's not confined. God is above all things, presiding beneath all things, sustaining outside all things, yet embracing and in all things filling. Because he is God with us, so come Emmanuel, but he's also God with us, most nigh, most high, most nigh. You see, we don't understand the importance of being able to come to the presence of God. We forget the fact that some years ago, one man could go in one time, one day, one moment, and the high priest was given a brief second in the presence of God, and we are called to boldly approach the throne of grace. Here's the problem. We've lost sight of, O come, O come, Emmanuel, because we've become accustomed to His presence. Can I tell you, though, that it's really not about O come, O come, Emmanuel? Why do we rejoice, rejoice? Because He's really singing back to us. We sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And He sings back to me, O come, O come, Don. Put your name there. Come unto me, all who are heavy laden, for I care for you. We feel like we got to find God, but God says, you don't understand. Behold, I stand at the door of your life knocking, and if you will open, I'm ready to come in unto you. See, we're calling to Him, and He's calling to us. But the problem is we don't understand that the God who is with us is also the God who's for us. Because we have a messed up, messed up understanding of what love really is. We think it's based on how good we've been. Reminds me of one of my favorite Christmas stories. One family, they weren't sure really what to tell their child. They had a pretty lofty gift ideas, and they said, well, that's a big one. You know, you know what? You just probably need to write God a letter about that. Okay. 
So the child sits down and going to write a letter to God about what they want for Christmas. They begin to write, Dear God, I have been a very good child this year. And then stopped and realized who they were writing to and crumpled up the paper. <laughs> the little child started over again, Dear God, I have been a pretty good child this year. And they stopped and said, that's not convincing enough. And so then, they sat there for a moment and got an idea. The child sprang from the desk, ran to the bathroom, threw open the linen closet, grabbed a towel, ran and slid in front of the hearth, reached up and grabbed Mary out of the nativity, threw in the middle of the towel, wrapped the towel up, tied it in a knot, threw it as far up under his bed as he could. And he went back to the table and started writing, Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again. <laughs> Come on now. Some of you are afraid to laugh. It just seemed wrong. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> Sorry. Never laugh at your own joke. Here's the problem. We think it's funny because he's trying to blackmail and bribe Jesus. But that's where most of us live. God, if, if you'll do this, then I'll give you this. Or if you won't do this, then I won't do this. And you think that somehow you have to manipulate God into loving you? He came to love you just where you are. That while we, this is true, uh, true love, that while we were still sinners, He died for us. He loves you just the way you are, and you're trying to figure out how to get God to love you enough to give you what you want in life. But God's really saying, let me work inside your parentheses and let me fix your chaos, and the rest of what you want is going to work out. But until, watch this, somebody needs to get, I'm about to give you a prophetic word right here. Watch this, until you fix what's inside the parentheses, you're just going to mess up everything outside the parentheses. But God doesn't really love me because He won't fix this. No, 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 no. God loves you. Matter of fact, Matthew chapter 7 says it this way. He says that if you... Uh, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? God doesn't hold back His love from us. As a matter of fact, most of the time, God's working for your good, but you're too busy trying to blackmail Him into what you want. This wasn't in my original sermon, but I felt to share this today. A few years ago, I, I did a television show for 15 years, and, and it took a, pretty much a whole day to go film this show. It's about an hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half drive based on traffic to get there. And we had something going on here, and, and I couldn't give a whole day. Just couldn't do it. And so it wasn't like I was skipping out on something I committed to. I, I, I called in advance and said, look, you know, guys, I, I know you need me there, but uh, is there any way you can just do it without me this time? And they said, of course, Pastor. They said, but there's one problem. I said, what? They said, well, there's a young man who's coming down to the lunch you always had before. We planned everything during the lunch. He's coming down, and he's only coming to see you. I said, well, you know, man, I really can't. He said, Pastor, that he needs to see you. I said, okay. All right. I can't stay for the taping, but I'll, I'll come for the lunch. I drove an hour and like a half a day. I didn't have time. And I'm thinking, why are you doing this? And I kept thinking, I'm going there because I love him. I'm going there because I love him. 
And so I got down there and I, and I sat down at lunch and everybody's around the table and he's there. And I, I'm ready. I mean, I'm there because I love this kid. And I, everybody starts talking and the whole time we're talking, I know you've never seen a teenager do this, but the whole time we're talking, they're doing this. He's doing this. The whole time we're all talking. And I'm trying to engage him. I'm like, hey man, you doing all right? Yeah, good, Pastor. I mean, we're talking about like an hour almost. It was probably 45 minutes before I finally had enough. I mean, he's just going at it. I'm like, what do you think? Uh, give me a minute. I've driven an hour and a half. Just give me that dumb phone. Finally, several minutes. I mean, embarrassing. His family's getting embarrassed. Everybody's getting, it's, it's really awkward. And he's just, he's in that phone and he's caught up. I'll be with you in a minute. Finally, I said, hey, dude, I drove an hour and a half to be with you and you've not been with me at all. He lays his phone down and says, is that how it is? I said, that is how it is. I said, man, have a little respect. I've come all this way, and all you want to do... Now, some of you are going, Pastor, you were so mean to him. That kid is begging me to go on a ministry trip right now with me because I loved him enough to tell him. Listen to me. I loved him enough to call him on that junk. And he's like... He never really said, I'm sorry, but you know what? I had his attention. And I thought, oh my gosh. How many times have I been like that? The king of kings left his throne in glory. I'd love to say this is figurative, but it's not even figurative. It's literal. The king of heaven, the glorious one, got up off the throne of the universe and stepped out and came to earth and put on carnate flesh. And he's wooing us and he's talking to us and he's calling to us. And we're too busy doing literally this. Hold on, God. Got to check, see how many likes I got first. Oh, pastor, I don't have the problem on the phone. Oh, let me do it this way. Uh, hold on, God, I got too many problems to pay attention to you. And he came because he loves us. And yet we don't have time for him. What that call is this morning, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. You better watch out because he'll show up. A few weeks ago, I gathered with our team early in the morning and, and they're always in here praying. We have a phenomenal team and, and I gathered with them in the morning and things were a little different that day and I was able to be right here with them and I, I was standing right over there and, and, and as I began to pray, I have grown, my earliest memory of church is, is the Holy Spirit moving upon seeing a people and filling him in church and I mean, I, I just the power of God, I've known it my whole life but, but it's always like God blows in like a wind or he descends in the building but that day it changed everything. It was like God walked up beside me. And I've not been the same since. You see, when you stop playing with life and you realize that the king of glory, the, that no celebrity of earth even compares, that the, the one who is higher than the highest and greater than the greats, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, the soon coming king, the one who looked death hell in the, right in the face and three days later arose in power and victory, wants to walk and talk with you. What do you need to lay down? What do you need to shut off? What do you need to change? 
because he's God with us. Stand with me today. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.